Good morning. It's Monday, the 5th of June, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on either Twitter or LinkedIn should there be additional commentary. There is not in all weeks, obviously. Um, let's get some of the legal out of the way. The presentation is prepared by us, Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors, for use with investors and financial advisors who are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security. The information contained herein is purely for informational purposes only. We had a very strong rally in equity markets last week. S&P 500 up about 1.9%, mid and small cap stocks up 25 and 3% respectively. International markets, including emerging markets, all participated. And now in the year-to-date column, you can see all the equity indices that we're tracking here for you are positive for the year. What a great lesson in investing that is. Think about all the things happening, war, inflation, restrictive monetary policy, reduction of a fiscal tailwind, um, earnings uncertainty, uh, debt ceiling debates, risks of default, all of these things happening at the same time, markets up pretty considerably. You know, we're at the beginning of June and the S&P is up 12.3%. We attribute much of this to the strength in the labor market and probably much more to the this bubbling bull market surrounding this concept of artificial intelligence and how it's fundamentally going to change work and life for people around the world. The stock market is starting to reflect some of that. Bonds also positive for the week. The aggregate bond index almost up uh, 1%, high yield, very strong, 1.36%. Let's get into economic data, though, despite the significant strength in the equity markets and the bond market, most of the economic data last week was mixed. Let's start with home prices first by the Federal Housing Finance uh, Agency. They say that in March, home prices rose six-tenths of a percent. That was triple the estimate of two-tenths of a percent, and they're actually up 3.6% year-over-year. As we all know, home prices have been declining on higher interest rates and a slowing economy, but the lack of inventory and the strength of the labor market has continued uh, to keep prices relatively high and perhaps is signaling an end to the price declines. S&P's Case-Shiller Home Price Index showed similar gains in March, up four, four and a half, excuse me, 45 basis points. Estimate was for zero. Uh, they're down 1% or so for the last year, but this is two consecutive months uh, of some strength. And it could mean uh, that the decline in home prices that began in June last year, about a year ago, could be showing signs of bottoming, um, especially if the, the economy continues to soften and the rate hikes are over and perhaps some rate cuts happen in the second half of this year as futures markets continue to predict Moving on, we got Conference Board's consumer confidence number for May, fell from 103.7 to 102.3. That was a little better than the expected number of 99. But what we're seeing is current conditions are really still not very good, 148.6. Expectations also not very good. They fell from 71.7 to 71.5. 
And even though I said the labor market is strong on an absolute basis, it is, it is certainly softening. We're going to get into that when we talk about both the ADP report and the BLS report from, uh, uh, from the federal government. Starting though with job openings last week, uh, they had been on this nice little decline and suddenly they spiked higher. Went from 9.7 in April um, to uh, 10.1 in May. It's a typo there, that's May. Openings to unemployed rose a little bit from 1.6 to 1.8. Remains pretty elevated relative to what happened before COVID. So still strength in the labor market, which means still inflationary pressure uh, in the labor market. Uh, getting more micro and more recent, the weekly initial claims for unemployment. Remember, we had a spike a few weeks ago. Turns out there was some fraud in a couple of states that sort of falsely got that number higher. We're back down to really healthy, robust, almost ebullient numbers for jobs. Uh, weekly claims for unemployment rose from 230 to 232 last week. The big national uh, picture report, starting with the ADP's report, automatic data processing. They say the economy added 278,000 jobs. That's more than 100,000 above the, their, at the consensus estimate of economists that report into Bloomberg. Uh, this is on top of a 291,000 gain in April. Goods producing and service produce and service jobs both added, but a huge rise in leisure and hospitality. The Bureau of Labor Statistics non-farm payrolls report told a similar story. They say we added 339,000 versus an estimate of 195. April got revised higher from 253 to 294. So you add you know, another 50,000 there or 40,000 uh, to that uh, 339 and it's an absolute whopper of a number. However, the household survey, when this, this report that comes out once a month, first Friday of the month, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's really lots to it. We talk about the headline unemployment rate, and we usually talk about what's called the establishment survey. But there's another survey within that report, it's called the household survey. Just different ways of trying to measure different things. And they really diverged this month. And so it's worth noting and calling out that the household survey actually was very different. It suggested the economy lost 310,000 jobs. Big difference, which suggests possibly that we are at somewhat of an inflection point in the strong labor market. And believe me, this is something the Fed is watching very, very closely because they've got this meeting coming up in June. Will they pause? Will they hike? Okay, moving along to uh, some of the manufacturing economic indicators, some of the business activity indicators. Start with Chicago PMI fell to 40.4. Remember, below 50, I'm gonna put it right there, below 50 is contraction. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine consecutive months there. New orders down in the 30s, production down in the 30s, employment negative, suggesting a different story than we might've got from that headline establishment labor survey. Take a look at S&P Global's National Manufacturing Survey, which had, gotten back after one, two, three, four, five months of contraction had gotten right barely back to that even line. Now it dropped back down as well to 48.4. That was a little bit below the 48.5 estimate. And the similar or competitive report from, the, from ISM, you can see here, 
from the Institute for Supply Management. May ISM fell from 47.1 to 46.9. That's significant amount of time below, below 50. Usually that is a pretty good indicator of a recession. And I still think we're in this sort of low grade, modest recession that will not be characterized by significant job loss or significant declines in consumer spending. I think it's a manufacturing issue. I think the contraction due to uh, tightening of lending standards that resulted not only from Fed rate hikes, but from the bank failures that we've had uh, is significant and is perking its way through the economy. Automobile sales for the month of May came in at about 15.05, right? A little bit below the estimate of 15.3. You can see sort of coming back here uh, but prior to pandemic, between 16 and 7, really about 17 million annualized pace. We're getting back, but we're still not all the way back. So what the heck's going on? What's going on with inflation? Because what's going on with inflation and the economy is going to dictate what the Fed ultimately does in its next couple of meetings. Well, this busy graph you can see here uh, are inflation break-evens. The two-year is in the blue. The uh, five years in the gold and the silver is the 10 year. All of them, the Fed wants to get down to 2%, really, or below 2%. And we've obviously come way down. It's all good. And we're just hovering above 2%. And really, the Fed would, before they can uh, claim any kind of victory and have any really any real prediction about the future of inflation, they need to see the bond market tell them that the bond market believes inflation is coming down. And it's just stubbornly stuck just a tad above 2%. The Cleveland Fed has an inflation now cast indicator. So rather than the monthly report that tells us where inflation is, it's really a, a daily update report, measures prices of goods and services in the economy. It's not official. It's not something the Fed necessarily uses. It's trending certainly in the right direction, but even that is still at 4% and has a way to go to get down here to that 2% level. So that is, there's plenty of reason for the Fed to consider still hiking. But if you read the messaging, you listen to the statements, watch the speeches and the Fed speak that I do dur during the week, intra week, you, it really points to nothing happening at June 14th. Give it a pause, give the market time to adjust for all the rate hikes and the bank failures, which are critical here. The restrictive nature of lending at this point. Um, give it time. It's Fed is likely to pause and do nothing on June 14th. That's just nine days from today. You can see the probability of a hike is now less than 25%. But July suddenly is right back on the table. It is at 50-50. We are going to get an inflation CPI report on June 12th. That will have a significant impact on both of these numbers. And you can see the futures markets are actually predicting cuts with, uh, I'd say, you know, December to January. Now, before that was like July, September. So really more like, you know, much later. Uh, but it's still, it, very much out there. Now, driving to work today, I heard on CNBC that one of the major houses, I can't remember, was predicting a massive earnings 
decline, the S&P 500. I have yet to find the story and corroborate it, but it, I did hear it on you know, CNBC driving in. I think it was Morgan Stanley, I'm not sure, um, but they had predicted a um, forward earnings estimate for the S&P 500 of, of $185. If that happens, that's a significant decline from where we are, and we've been rising. As of this morning, the consensus blended estimate of earnings per share for the future 12-month period, for the S&P 500 is $228, and it's been, it's been rising. So we're getting to see more and more divergence of opinion and views at the same time that the market is going higher. This is a chart of the S&P 500. And I took it back to 2018. I wanted a five-year chart. So remember, we obviously had COVID. We had a very significant, very abrupt decline in the market, the S&P all the way down to 2,500. But then we had massive fiscal and monetary stimulus, massive steep, strong, straight up recovery. Then we began to raise rates, remove some of the stimulus, a you know 20% pullback, okay, fine. But I think what's unexpected for lots of folks is this grind higher that we've had really since September of last year. It's been nine months of many strategists on the street being very bearish and being very wrong. Their analysis has been great. The reasons for the bearishness have been great. They're well thought out arguments, but the market doesn't want to listen to your arguments. The market's going to do what it's going to do. And I think all of us failed to properly account for and discount in what is happening to expectations based on the rapid uh, adoption. And it's still early, early, early stages of artificial intelligence. And I think that's what's driving things here. And you can see, there's your S&P at 42.93, well above that 50-day moving average, well above the 200-day moving average, suggesting early stages of a new bull market, at least from a technical perspective. Interesting, because I still think we're in this low-grade, modest, moderate recession. Okay, economic data this week, we're going to get services from S&P Global and ISM. They are both expected to be in expansion territory. So, Remember, 85% of the economy services, only 15% is manufacturing. Manufacturing's been in contraction. Uh, nothing really on Tuesday. Trade and consumer credit on Wednesday. Weekly claims, as always, wholesale choice on Thursday. So very light week for economic data. Don't forget, this is available as a subscription where you see the charts and graphs and available as a podcast. If you're driving, you can just tell your smart device to play Slaying Bulls and Bears or play Herb Morgan's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to being back to you again in one week.